This morning we have a, a little bit of a different approach, and I think the Lord was helping me understand, Jeremy, you're not an authority on everything. Pretty much you're not an authority on much at all, but I think what the Spirit was leading me to in helping us look at this idea, we're going to take a little bit of a break today from the misunderstood God, and I felt the Spirit leading me to really give a voice to a, a Mother's Day message today. Part of the challenge in preaching a Mother's Day message is that not all of our experiences have been positive ones. We recognize that many out there, this is a challenging day. This is a difficult day. We get that. But I would share with you that just because something is difficult doesn't mean that there isn't value in talking through it. As a matter of fact, I would say that there is a little bit of ownership that church leadership needs to uh, put upon their shoulders, maybe in the context of we're not doing enough to talk about and open up about these challenges and these problems and, and the silent suffering that may be happening by many when it comes to the idea of mothers and how to honor mothers and... Um, so I thought, rather than myself speak about all of this, we would let some moms share from a very real standpoint. So you're going to hear from two of our moms, and they're going to share from a, 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 a little bit of a voice in their own life as to the challenges and difficulties that they struggle with. And then Janine Cook is going to come and share words of encouragement and inspiration and hope and scripture, speaking a little bit to what you'll hear in this video and these testimonies, and then you're going to hear uh, from those same two ladies about how in the midst of the challenge, in the midst of the difficulty, God still gives them worth and purpose and value and honor in their motherhood. Let's listen to the testimonies. Just 
just amazing to think like that, um, the first few years, and um, thinking that, um, was God sure that he picked the right person, and just all kinds of things. But um, over the years, I've sought out the Lord um, through different Bible studies and CR, and um, I have found out that he made me this way. He made me lacking in different areas because he does want me to depend on him. He wants me to pray to him and ask him for his help and ask him for his, um, for him to, to be in control of my life. And that's okay um, to be dependent on somebody. It's okay to not be self-sufficient all the time. Um, that's not the way we were supposed to be. That's that's not our job to to be in control of anything and to be perfect. There's only one one who is perfect, and that is God. And I'm not trying to compete with him because he has a really hard job. Um, we're talking about Mother's Day and what it has been for me and what it is for me now. Um, a lot of you know that my mother passed away when I was 23. And um, I was an only child to a single mom, so we were really close, kind of each other's everything for a very long time. Um, so those first few years of Mother's Day after she passed were pretty impossible. Um, I just wanted to skip it. That would be probably the best description of how I felt about it. I didn't, I didn't want to see the commercials. I didn't want to see the cards. I didn't want to think about presents. Um, I wasn't a mom at that point either, so. I just, I wanted to skip it, and for those first few years, I did skip it. Um, it was just another day. I usually didn't go to church those days because I didn't want to hear the sermon. And I know, um, I know pastors struggle with that. Do we preach about it? Do we not preach about it? You know, I get that. There's a variety of people in the congregation who have different experiences regarding their mothers and Mother's Day. Um, it was really hard for a long time. Um, I just, I didn't want the day to um, overwhelm me. I was afraid that if I got too far into the day, that it would stay with me for weeks and weeks on end. And so kind of survival mode was just to ignore it and not participate in it and make it all go away. My proper Bible church family and those who are watching on a distance, I am pleased to share a bit of my story regarding Mother's Day and honoring mom. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is your first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. I have been blessed with a perfect mom. The one that all your friends wish that they had. Growing up, she was always joyful and had a clear and great love for Jesus and his family. All of which made me want to be like her in every way, and as we know, once you turned in, you can relate. So, becoming a mother myself was a desire realized with great appreciation to the Lord. I am thrilled and overjoyed to be Mama to my favorite people in the world, Dylan, 
but enticed towards unforgiveness, I am reminded that my forgiveness was secured with the great sacrifice of the shed blood of the perfect Son, and I am quickened to forgive. When looking in His direction, I find myself wanting to exchange bitterness for, towards others for grace and wrath for mercy. Colossians 3 is one of my favorite go-to books. It is a roadmap for relationships. I love this call to be who I ought to be in spite of what others choose to do. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. Verses 23 and 24 go on to say, Whatever you do, work heartily up for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive um, the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord. These scriptures inspire me to be solely concerned with what the Lord thinks of you. My role is to please the one who gifted me with the role, the role that I always wanted. I am to be concerned with no other opinion, not even my own flawed one. When the looking glass is reversed, my perceptions, my feelings, my emotions, my failures are skewed and misleading, and I cannot keep my head above the water. How life-giving it is to place our gracious God in the spotlight, illuminating His holiness and unconditional love, clearly revealed in His heavenly plan of redemption. In his goodness, he sets his requirements. When I focus on doing and saying all in the name of Jesus, I am focused on honoring the Lord. In his strength, I can do what he calls me to do for his glory and my good and the good of others. If I focus on giving thanks, the gratitude that it produces in me emboldens me to do as he says. Circumstances will become inconsequential. I will be content with representing him in all that I say and do, trusting him with the final outcome. I will rest in doing my part and trusting him to do what only he can do in the hearts and minds of others and in my heart and mind. I don't need to drown myself in worry, fear, anxiety, and perfectionism. I don't need to be burdened with what the watching world sees anymore. For me, writing my sight is to focus in on the throne room. Specifically, I am trying daily to focus on the description we're given in Revelation 4 and 5. When I quiet myself and focus on the scene that John gives us as a picture of what is going on at all times, is to see a throne, a throne that is surrounded with a rainbow. 
sea of glass, six feet four, and one sits on the throne, and from the throne come flashes of lightning and thunder. Seven lampstands are before him, four beasts with eyes all around his throne are constantly day and night, saying, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And the moment that those words leave that, their mouths, there are 24 elders who are in clothing, um, robes in white, clothes in white robes, with golden crowns on their heads. And the moment they hear that praise, they fall down and they cast their crowns before him, saying, Worthy are you, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things, and by your will they were created and exist. When I see clearly who is in control, I am at rest, and I experience peace that washes over my every regret, my every worry, my every fear. And I am comforted to know that He is in control. And that if He is in control, I need to simply worry about giving Him praise and glory in all that I say and do. Not only is He high and mighty and being praised for an ever and ever, He wants to be intimately involved in my day in my thoughts, in my words, in my deeds. What a privilege, and how it draws me to love him more and want more and more to do as he asks me. Matthew 6, Jesus taught us how to pray, and it starts out with our Father. How kind is him to create this role for us to share in his role as father to a son. And that the son invites us in to say, it's our father. I think about those times growing up when a friend's mom would let you call their mom, mom, or dad, or grandma, or grandpa. And the beauty of being invited into that relationship, and that's what God has for me, and that's what God has for you. And so I encourage you to keep that in your sight. But today, whatever your barriers may be concerning motherhood, whether the experience has left you scarred or wanting, whether it is a desire never realized or a time tragically cut short, I encourage you to call upon the one who knows you best and loves you the most. To look to him, to honor him in the midst of the heartache, because he is the perfect parent and is worthy of our devotion. Ask him to trade your disappointments for thankfulness, your heartache for joy, your longing for contentment, and your anxiety for rest, your fears for hope. So hold your looking glass high, set your sights on him, and whatever you do, in word or deed, 
Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. All glory and praise to Him alone.
that joy with others, um, to be able to appreciate other mothers, um, the, the struggle that they go through, encouraging them, showing them love, that we don't have to be this perfect version of mother to celebrate each other, um, and we don't even have to be a biological mother to celebrate each other. Um, motherhood, I think, comes in all different forms, and I think the Lord has given women um, a special gift to be able to love each other and encourage each other, and so I, I now um, celebrate Mother's Day in that way, that um, we women are pretty amazing, and we're really um, supportive of one another, and um, I think that that's what it really is about now for me, and that's where I find joy in it. Um, yeah, it's nice to get the cards and the flowers from my kids and things like that, but um, even without that, I think that the Lord created women for really special purposes, and that when we fully accept that and um, show His love to other women and encouragement, that that's where the, the real joy comes from. So that's what Mother's Day means for me. Tremendous. Thank you to all you ladies who shared. Uh, now you know a little bit more about the depth and the value of um, what many struggle with. Uh, maybe the dark side of, of motherhood that we often don't allow to be spoken about. And I pray that in focusing on this, you know, most would say that a Mother's Day message should be something that constitutes great joy, and let's have the kids bring flowers in, and, and there's going to be a brunch, and there's going to be, you know, uh, dresses, and, and men have to come to church on Mother's Day. Well, let me just say this, that I, I think that in the midst of all that's going on currently, we're afforded a time to step back and, and maybe look at, at some of what life hands us with an honest approach. And so I really value, and I hope you value, I know you do, the testimonies and the encouragement from Scripture that you've heard uh, today. Uh, it, it, it's reminiscent and it's real life of how it is that God lifts up, establishes, and carries us through Tasks, callings that are bigger than we are. And, and this wasn't part of the original text that I had uh, to wrap us up on today, but I think about it because it's so befitting of what we've heard and, and what we're looking at and thinking about the, the, the mother that we see of Christ in scriptures, Mary. We look at her own words after she was informed that she found favor with God and that she would become the mother of the Messiah as a, as a girl, as a teenage girl. She received a heavenly visitation and the aftermath of that, in the midst of all the fear, all the challenge, she had her looking glass pointed the right way. Listen to her words. She says in Luke chapter 1, My soul magnifies the Lord. If there is any better statement of our looking glass tool, illustration, 
whatever you want to call this, I, I can't find one. Mary herself says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And listen to how she views the impending blessing of motherhood. She says, for he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Can you imagine, ladies, if you're struggling in your success rate of motherhood, can you imagine how Mary must have felt day in, day out? Right? At least when our kids do a great drawing, we think, oh, yeah, I helped them do that, right? Poor Mary. She's like, well, I don't really know if I helped him with anything, right? So, so she just had insurmountable challenges as the mother of Christ, and yet some of you would trade your situation in a, in a hot minute because just think about raising Jesus Christ. He never disobeyed, right? Never disobeyed. But that takes us to the main point today. He was honoring towards his mother. Think of his last words on the cross where his thoughts were on his mother as he turned to the disciple John and said, Behold your mother. There at the cross at his death, his thoughts were on his mother. And it was his desire, Jesus' desire, that she be honored. She be taken care of. So that takes us to Ephesians 6, which uh, Mrs. Janine Cook has eloquently led us in already. Verses 1 through 3, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, there's the whole statement of obey, and moms all over who are hearing this message are grabbing their children by the nape of the neck, sitting them down, and hitting rewind uh, presently. We're going to skip over that. My apologies to all the women. And, and maybe even the husbands, and as the children are cheering me on, I want to move straight and directly to verse 2. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. My contention as we wrap up today is that we have lost this idea of honor. Our children are lo no longer being raised in a society that values honor. Even more so at this time. We think about what our children see, what our children hear. We think about how is it that our children lose track of the idea of honoring. Today so many mothers will lay their heads down on their pillows and belonging, wishing, regretting that nothing came from their children. Not so much a card, not so much a gift, but an honest, demonstrative heart of honor. Where I want us to wrestle with today is that we teach our children this. Husbands, how are you honoring your wives? How are you treating your wives? You know, I remember a good friend of mine uh, uh, years ago. We were in a conversation. We were talking about another individual uh, that's a national figure. And I'll never forget my friend. We'll just call him Dwight. 
I'll never forget that Dwight said, well, I don't really have much of an interest in this individual's books or uh, their broadcast because I don't respect them. Isn't that fascinating how we've worked that into our society? That in order to honor someone, they have to meet our qualifications. This is what we're teaching our children. Our public schools, our societies, our, our um, sports, all of that is built in this ether of dishonor. That you have to meet my qualifications before I approve or would ever give you honor. And I would contend this, that we can do better. We can do so much better. And that when we take the effect and when we take the, the attitude of Christ, honor is established. Now why is that important? Because God has already established the concept of honor. How, how would we describe biblical honor? Well, it would be two things combined together, not necessarily limited to, but for the sake of argument today, it's the idea of love and respect. And that's why I mentioned uh, the anecdote of, of my friend Dwight. That if we continue to live in a society that says, you have to earn my respect, then the looking glass is pointed at myself and not God. And we get what we deserve. We get what we've been given. We get what we have cultivated. Brothers and sisters, I would encourage you, look in passages like Romans 12, where it says, honor one another above yourselves. Where it says, put the other brother in front of yourself. It says, love must be sincere. And so as we look at these ideas, those generate a sense of love. It generates a sense of worthiness. It generates a recognition of God working through us. How do we resolve this? Well, I, I want to lean back real quickly to help you understand the value of, of biblical honor under, under God's economy. And how establishing that within our households, how we treat our wives, men, how we treat our mothers, how we treat our children, children, how you treat your families, how we treat one another within the church. We have this pervasive focus and attitude that if you earn my respect, if you feed my proclivities, if you feed uh, my perspectives, then, okay, you'll earn my respect, and then I'll give you honor as long as you're in my camp. In Romans 5, verse 8, it says, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You hear so often the idea that we are to be Christ-like. We can simply start right here. Do we want to cultivate a, a society? Do we want to make sure the church is characterized by the attitude of Christ where we honor first God and then God's creation? My simple question to you is, do you appreciate more having to earn someone's respect and love, or do you value it on a deeper level, in a deeper sense, 
when you do not deserve that love and it is freely given. Do we want to be like Christ? Then honor when honor is not due. Remember, biblical honor is love and respect. He who knew no sin became sin in order that we might be saved. While we were still enemies, while we were still dishonorable, while we were in the other camp, He demonstrated His love towards us that we might have salvation. That's honor. Now, I've given you the beautiful picture of of how we can instill this within ourselves first, demonstrate that, and then lead within our families. But secondly, let me point to the other perspective, because we're doing that a lot today, right? We're having the the, the Job's wife argument, the good and the bad, right? All, All thematically through. So I've given you the picture of how Christ chose to honor. Think about Christ with Pilate. Think about Christ with uh, those who were government officials. Think about Paul with Felix and and Paul with uh, those in Caesarea and Paul with the Praetorium. Uh, Over and over, he may have spoken the truth, but he was honorable in that process. It's interesting, we're hearing more and more the debates, the rousing nationalism Oh, wait, sorry. Um, Evangelical uh, fight for the church to not come under the scrutiny of the state and we're going to draw a line in the sand. My question is, is is that what Jesus would do? Is that being honorable? Now, understand that Jesus himself told Pilate, you have no authority other than that which my Father has given you. So we have to understand that there's a point in time where if Christian or Christ-like instruction, principles, go against uh, the other things that are, are, are working against us, seek to strike down obedience to those things, that's when there's the opportunity for us to say, look, respectfully, we acknowledge what you're trying to do, but in obedience to the Lord first, we choose to honor Him. I do not believe necessarily we're at that point. And and we'll get to that in just a minute with a ministry announcement. But I don't think we're necessarily at that point as a church. As a matter of fact, I would contend this. The church has probably woken up much more in the past two months. Do I get an amen for that? If, If you are so upset about our inconvenience of gathering together, all... All uh, 180 people that are in this room. No, just kidding. For uh, Don't come after me. I live at 325917 Union Street. No, I don't. If, if you're so concerned about the inconvenience, can I just share with you, honor God. Honor God. You and I have a privileged opportunity right now to dive into depth of relationship with him that may have been missing because we were so enamored with the periphery, the accoutrements of what it means to be the church in a building. 
Take the time. Do not lose this opportunity. So that when we come back together, when we are afforded that time, we will have honored the Lord, we will have honored the church, and we have practiced honoring and loving and respecting one another, and we will come back a healthier church. Amen? Now, the, the converse of this is simply politics. Right? Rare is the moment when someone from one party will give an honorable statement to a person of the other party. As a matter of fact, it has gotten so divisive that when that moment happens, for the sake of honoring those who are made in God's image, it is so highlighted. It is brought to the forefront of the media because it is so rare. Brothers and sisters, our society breeds a contention of dishonor. We have completely lost it. When, and, and I'm just kind of, if you know me, stream of consciousness, this is not in my notes, I don't even have notes, so I'm, I'm wrapping up right now. But I will tell you this, when I refer to President Obama, I refer to him as President Obama. I also refer to President Trump as President Trump. Whether or not I like either of their policies, they are worthy of honor because of their position. And the more that we denigrate the individual, we have the looking glass turned the other way. What a beautiful republic we live in that if, if we don't agree necessarily with the individual that's in that position, guess what we get to do? We get to vote them out. But can we please be civil in the midst of it because our children are watching? And then we wonder why our children do not honor their teachers, do not honor their coaches, do not honor their parents. We breed this. So speak to it. Practice the idea of honor. And when you do, you will be better for it. So today prayerfully think through and then act on how you might honor those mothers. You may say, my mom was not an honorable person. That's okay. You can find a reason to honor her. You can find a reason to honor her. All right? All you ladies out there, just going through childbirth, that's worth it, right? I mean, I, I can't imagine you get halfway into that and you're like, nope, nope, not doing this. Not Some of you have said it, but you, you carried through in the action. All the diapers that are changed, all the meals that are cooked, all of the late nights. We saw a beautiful picture of Chris and Jess Boothanuth, and they, they woefully worried and, and were challenged with the idea of, will God ever allow us to have children? And they were just blessed with, uh, just a week ago, twins. And I was talking with Chris earlier this week about, you know, them being part of the video series. And it was hilarious because they're like, we have no sleep. So it might be good just to send a picture. So there are huge challenges. You may not think your mother was honorable, but you can find things to see the sacrifice and the effort. Whether you're a guy, whether you're a gal, whether you're a child, honor that mother today. This morning, I'm going to pray over the moms. I'm going to call the worship band up and uh, to prepare for music. Let's 
prepare our hearts to understand this idea of honor. And I want to thank uh, Rihanna, I want to thank Treya, and I want to thank Janine for speaking from a, women, a woman's point of view. What is it that, that looks like honor to a mother? And the realities of the challenges for many of us today. But in the midst of those challenges, we can have what? We can have joy. Let's pray blessing upon you this morning. Father, I pray even now, those that are rejoicing in their motherhood, continue letting them rejoice. Let them remember Mary's words. Blessed, blessed am I as a mother that I was recognized from heaven. I was established from heaven to be a mother. And this morning, for those of us that have moms that are no longer with us, that have, that have passed, and there is sorrow because of that, I pray for comfort. I pray that we remember the beauty and the goodness and the challenging times, but that we honor today those that sacrifice so much to give us life. I pray, Father, for the moms that might be struggling, feeling inadequate, and going through the challenges of life. I pray, Father God, that you take away the lies. I pray that you establish their feet upon the rock and that they understand that, just like Treya said, they do not need to be perfect. They need to simply lean on you. Thank you, Father. We pray blessing upon each mother today that's watching, that's participating that they let go of the things that are not good, that are not healthy, and they embrace that which is lovely, true, excellent, and praiseworthy. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.